Today, we, uh, we're in John chapter 11. Now, we're at the seventh sign, the seventh sign or the seventh miracle that John points out. Now, this is like the climax of them all. This is like the big deal. Um, John only talks about seven miracles or seven signs, as he calls them, throughout the Gospel of John. And here he, he ends it. You know, he's like, this is the climatic one because it's about the resurrection of Lazarus. So let's just take a real fast, a real glimpse of the seven signs that he's already talked about. He talked about turning the water into wine, that Jesus did this, that Jesus healed a nobleman's son, that uh, he healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, that he fed the 5,000, um, that he walked on water, that Jesus did this, that Jesus healed this other man born blind, and then he comes to this climatic um, miracle to show, to prove that Jesus really is Messiah, that he really is Savior because he has the power over life and death. And John is just like, you know what? Here's these seven. He, he specifically chose seven different things to show that Jesus is God over the physics of water, over creation, right? He walks on water. That he, he really is a God. Don't forget, in the Jewish mind, God was the God who provides. And look at how many times Jesus provided out of these, uh, out of just these seven, there's twice that God provided. In a way that only um, God could do it. And he did it because Jesus is God. And then he brings healing that, that God has power over disease. And that's what Jesus does. He brought healing to those who were sick. And then this one, the, you know, the climax of them all, that he actually gives life back to a dead person. Now, um, this chapter, our memory verse this week, actually a new reading plan came out, right? So if you don't, um, if you haven't even, if you haven't been following along on the reading plan, let me encourage you. Hard copies are at the back by the offering boxes. Um, and there's a digital one in the church app, and, and we would love for you to follow along. It's, it's never too late to jump in. So jump in. I hope that you will, because there have been some great reflective questions to ask yourself as you read through the book of John. There, the memory verses, there's new memory verses back there, and I know you're like, oh, you're rolling your eyes, right? Well, there's, but this is what Jesus actually did. He memorized Scripture. And so if we're going to do what Jesus did, He memorized Scripture. Here's your memory verse for this coming week. It's John chapter 11, right from this chapter. Verse 25 and 26. And the, really, that's what this chapter really is all about. It's right here. Jesus said to her, I am, uh, He's talking to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I'm telling you, this verse is a verse that every Christ follower should have memorized. You know why? Because there are going to be days you don't feel like you are a Christian. You, you don't feel like you're a Christ follower, but you need to be reminded of what Jesus said. No, if you believe in me, you have life and that you have it now. You, every one of us will bump into death at some point. As a Christ follower, you're like, yeah, my time on the earth may have ended, but I'm still living <laughs> Right? That's what Jesus says. You're going to live and you'll live forever. And, and this is, really is the main point of chapter 11. But today, um, I want us to look 
at maybe a smaller nuance, something that's in the background that I believe speaks specifically to our culture in the way that we live our life. So here's the big idea that I want us to walk away from today. Living a hurried life isn't living a life Jesus actually lived. And when we are hurried, we are missing the work of God in our own lives. I mean, you Google, just Google all the research and all the stats about American culture. And the way that we live a life from a place of hurry, rush here, rush there, work overload, right? We are living in this society, in our culture, that is always hurry, hurry, hurry. But Jesus lived in a different way, and we're going to see that show up. It's kind of in the background and kind of not, but it's right here in this text. But when we think about hurry, we know that this is uh, true when, uh, well, actually, let me do this. Let me, let me read you a quote from John Mark Comer. I, we've talked about this book before, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. In fact, I'm going to quote John Mark uh, several times here uh, today. But uh, this one, hurry and love are incompatible. Hurry and love are incompatible. Now, you know this is true when it comes to food because you never invited anybody over to your house and said, man, I make the best fall off the bone ribs in my microwave, right? You've never done that. Ever. No, you, you, you don't invite people over for your microwave dishes, right? You take your time, you cook that, right? It's like, I mean, if you're going to have fall off the bone legendary ribs, I mean, you're going to get them at Texas Roadhouse. They fall off the bone. They cook them uh, for hours, you know, put the barbecue on there, and they literally are fall off the bone. I mean, you did, I, it is just amazing. In fact, I'm hungry right now. <laughs> but we know that hurry up and, uh, that, that to hurry up and love are incompatible. It's, it's incompatible with our food, and you know where else it's incompatible? In our relationships. It's incompatible in our relationships. When I first met Zoe, we had moved, my family had moved here uh, to Jamestown um, in, um, uh, from Indiana. My dad ripped me away from, as a junior in high school. Think about that. Moving as a junior in high school in the fall, you already started your junior year, right? You're with your buddies, you know, you've got your friends who are girls and girlfriends, right? You have them all, right? And, and then your dad rips you away and plops you in a state you never even heard of before, Rhode Island. So I start going to school and um, I, you know, I have to make friends again. So I'm making friends and I bump into a little girl, Zoe. <laughs> She's always little. She's four, eight and a quarter. She's still little. I bump into Zoe and you know what, Uh, over uh, my junior year, I would tell her how much I hated Rhode Island. I told her how much I just wanted to go back and be with my best friends and be with my girlfriends and I just wanted to get back to Rhode Island, or back to Indiana. And then that, that happened literally my whole junior year. My senior year rolls around and it was in the fall of my senior year. That's when it happened. That's like, you can't hurry up love. Right. It was like, oh, my gosh, she's just not my friend. I like really love her. She didn't say hurry up and fall in love with me. Right. She didn't say that. It takes time. And the same thing is true in your relationship 
with God. He, Jesus calls us not to hurry up and love somebody. It takes time. And in order to do that, you have to live a slower paced life because you have to have time for relationships. And Jesus made time for relationships. Let's jump into the story. John chapter 11 and verse number one. Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So basically it's three siblings. It's Lazarus, Martha and Mary. They're all from Bethany, which is literally just outside, um, like a 20 minute walk from Jerusalem. Now, where Jesus is currently at, we know this from John chapter 10, Jesus is actually in another Bethany, what's on the other side of the Jordan. So he's like a two-day hike away. So that's where Jesus is at now with his disciples because they had just threatened him. They had just threatened to stone Jesus. And so Jesus kind of slips through the crowd, right? We, we read that in the past. But he, so he and the disciples are, are like two days away. This has happened. His, uh, his, his, uh, Lazarus is sick. In verse number two, Mary was the one. John wants to make sure that we know who this is. right? And we'll read. John tells us about this incident in the next chapter, chapter 12. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. And here's what John wants us to know. So the sister sent a message to Jesus and said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now think about that. John, John wants us to know that he had a relationship with Lazarus. That he, had, he had a relationship with Martha and Mary. And why? Because he wasn't always rushing from one village to the next. He took the time to have relationships, to build relationships with people. Now, he said, he, Jesus, when Jesus gets this message, this sickness will not end in death. This is what Jesus says to his disciples as he gets this message. This uh, sickness will not end in death. But it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And when John uses the word glorified, even though God is worthy of being glory, uh, you know, glorified and praised, even though that is true, here, what John is trying to, sh- uh, he uses the word glorified in the sense of to reveal. So he, it's about r- revealing who Jesus is. And remember, at the very beginning of this study, John told us why he was writing this gospel. It was so that you and I would believe that Jesus really is the Messiah. So he uses the this last miracle that he's going to talk about. And in this last miracle, he says, and because of this miracle, Jesus knew this too. Jesus knew that he would be glorified or he would be revealed of who he is, that he really is the son of God. John comes back to this idea again. Now, Jesus loved Martha, her sister Mary and Lazarus. He doesn't want us to miss that. Why? Because of what you see happens next. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed where um, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Think about that. It's it's like he got that nine one one call. That was the expectation. You know, hurry up and get here. And this wasn't out of some kind, you know, of rudeness on Jesus's part. No, John is like, listen, Jesus loved this family. But Jesus wasn't going to live to the expectation of others. He was surrendered. He was surrendered to God's timeline, not others' timeline. I wonder about us. We're going to talk more about that in just a second. But as we think about this idea that Jesus just stayed right where he was, I want you to listen to another quote from John Mark Comer. 
He says, there is, a, there is a healthy kind of busyness where your life is full with things that matter. Not wasted on empty leisure or trivial pursuits. The, pro- the problem isn't when we have a lot to do. It's when you have too much to do and the only way to keep the quota up is to hurry. See, Jesus had to accomplish and stay and do the work that he was doing there. But there was also this submission of him. I'm going to submit to your timeline, God, and I know that you're doing something else. You're going to reveal who I really am. And we're not going to give any of the naysayers any chance to say, oh, he just kind of fell asleep, but, you know, went into a coma, but resuscitated. No, we're going to stay away long enough to know that he was really dead. Right. So back into the text. Then after um, that, he said to these disciples. So after the after waiting there two more days, finishing whatever he's doing, because he's going to live according to God's timeline, not others. He says, let's go to Judea again. Now he gets some pushback. Why? Because they already got threatened. Jesus's life was already threatened last time. And they said, Rabbi, the disciples told him just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going there again. And then Jesus comes back. He says, aren't there 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. And if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. Last week, Stephen Miller did a great job on helping us understand light and darkness and that metaphor, right? And that Jesus is the light inside of us. And here, John comes back to this light and darkness again. And he comes back to it in the sense of, well, one, there's this surface issue that Jewish people, um, they designated daylight hours as the time that they would work. And then at nighttime, they didn't work. So there was that level. But there was something else going on here. And that is Jesus is like, no, remember, I'm the light of the world and I am the light inside of you. So even if there are hard things that we're going to run into, I'm still inside of you. You're still the light of the world. Just because you, you have Jesus inside of you doesn't mean life will not be hard. And Jesus is trying to say, just because we're going to run into some hard things does not mean that you are not living and working according to God's timing in your life. So don't think that just because it gets hard means that somehow you're out of the will of God. Not necessarily because it it was hard for them. It was hard for the disciples. Now, along this idea of hurry, listen to, again, a quote from John Mark Comer in that book. The solution to an over-busy life is not more time. It's to slow down and simplify our lives around what really matters. And see, that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus was doing. He he, He was simplifying his life around what really matters. And what really mattered to him was God's timing, not the expectations of others. And then what he'll do next is he will uh, explain to them that Jesus uh, is like dead. Look what happens. He says, um, Jesus said this, and, and then he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. And then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Like he's dead, right? And here's what the amazing thing is. 
that I'm glad for you, for you disciples. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there. I'm glad for you that I'm going to live according to God's timeline and not the timeline that others put on me. I'm glad I wasn't there. Why? So that you'll believe. So that you may believe. So that you will see in this, in this miracle that I really do have life. I really do have power over death. So Jesus says, let's go to him. So they go and they finally arrive and they're not even at uh, Martha's and um, Mary's house yet. And they, Jesus is gathered somewhere outside because Martha sees Jesus and Martha runs to him. And look what Martha says. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Have you felt the weight of those words from somebody else in you? Man, you know, again, this comes back to the expectations that other people put on you. And you know what? His sister felt the same thing. Look at what his sister said the same in a different conversation, separated by time, in a different conversation. If you slide down to verse 32, Mary says the same thing. She fell at Jesus' feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. See, a lot of people try to put expectations on you. And you know what? You're a lot like me. And you want to meet other people's expectations. And when you live from one day to the, and that day turns into a week and that week turns into a month. And when you live your life from month to month to month, trying to meet other people's expectations, that will burn you out. We are not called to live to other people's expectations. You know, I recently heard a pastor uh, explain this in a pastor's life. He was uh, talking about um, why pastors uh, need to take uh, uh, sabbaticals. And in this, he used this illustration. He, t- he said pastor's lives are like a boat. And they sit in the water, right? And they're just doing, their, their, their doing life. They're doing their ministry. But along the way, barnacles get collected on the bottom of the boat. And if you don't ever take the boat up out of the water, you don't even know they're there. If you don't ever take the time for reflection, if you don't ever take the time to step away, you know, just like a boat, in order to know that they're there, you've got to get it up and out of the water, scrape them off, right? And you know what? He he uses it like this. This pastor was saying that our lives are like boats and pastors' lives are like those boats in that they collect barnacles or the expectations of other people and you can be going through life and not even realize you have collected all these expectations from other people and how it actually slows you down it wears you down until you get the boat up out of the water and you're like oh my gosh i'm filled with barnacles you know people's expectations i gotta scrub these things off put them back in the boat so that you can run smoothly in the water again and you know what it's not just for pastors some of you Live in the same way. Because you have this thing inside of you to please people. You want to please people. And so you collect everybody's expectations. But Jesus wasn't going to live. Even though he loved them. This wasn't being rude. He deeply loved this family. John knew this. They were loved by Jesus. But they weren't going to come at his every beckon and call. Why? Because... Jesus was going to live according to the timeline that God had in mind. Not the expectations of other people. What about you as a Christ follower? Like, do you, is your life, 
Are you living a hurried life because you're living by the expectations of all these other people? I'd really challenge you to stop and think about that. Well, Jesus' reply back to Martha was our memory verse, or is our memory verse, where he says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though he dies, will live. So, Lazarus will live. He, he is, even though we die, we live. When you breathe your last breath, you will still continue to live. You will live somewhere. Either apart, separated from God, or with God. The question is this. So look what it is, the question is what Jesus said. He says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Because this is personal. And the question is for you. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus really is resurrection? Do you believe that he really is life? Do you really find freedom in Jesus? We find freedom in Jesus so that we don't have to live according to the expectations of other people. We just have to live to the expectations of one. And that's our Heavenly Father. You are invited to live that kind of life. Not to hurry from one appointment to the next. And you know what? That doesn't mean we don't have busy days. All right? I mean, we have busy days. I'm talking about a continued life of hurry. Because all of us make the mistake of overfilling our calendar. I've done it. You have done it. And we know what that does to us emotionally, mentally, physically. And we're honestly, if we're honest, we're not good for anyone in those places. But what God calls us, we don't have to live like that. He calls us to live life. That we can live life to its fullest. So, here's what I want you to do this morning. The very first next step. Um, grab that uh, connection card out of the chair in front of you. Because some of you are in this place. Some of you aren't able to answer the question yet. Do you believe this? Like if Jesus was, had eyeballs locked in on you, you're not able to say, yes, I believe this, Jesus. We want you. We want to pray for you. Because this is the most important thing. If you're online and you're watching, this is the most important first next step that you could take. If you're in South County, this is the most important next step that you could take. Is to be able to look at Jesus in the eyes and say, yes, I believe that you are the resurrection. I believe that you are life. And so we want to invite you to take this step. So, if this is where you find yourself, will you circle step number one on the connection card? Put your name on there. This week, our team, our staff team will be praying for you. Our prayer team will be praying for you. But if you put your phone number on there, we would love to uh, call you and just have a conversation with you around this idea of you believing that Jesus really is life. Now, the other next step is for those of us who, who already can answer the question, do you believe this? And you say, yes, I believe this. But... We're not living our life like Jesus did. We're not living this non-hurried pace. Look uh, re, re, um, to remind us of our big idea. Is living a hurried life isn't living a life that Jesus actually lived, right? We're in this series. What would Jesus actually do? He actually, we just saw, he actually didn't live a hurried life. 
even in the times of when everybody else, what's a crisis for somebody else doesn't mean it's a crisis for you. We have to be okay with that. And you have to get to the place to where you're okay with that. Because you know that you're living to the expectation that God has called you to. So living a hurried life isn't living a life that Jesus actually lived. And when we do, we are missing the work of God in our own lives. God wants to work in your life. He wants to do a work inside of you. But you have, it takes time. And you can't just rush and all of a sudden get close to Jesus. It takes time. Are you settled enough in your soul and your spirit where you can just sit with Jesus? Where you can just be with Him and learn from Him and not live in this hurry up, I've got five minutes. No, spiritual growth doesn't happen in five minutes. It takes time over weeks and months and then years. So the second next step says, I get impatient waiting on God. When I feel like he should be doing something. How many times is that true in our life? Right? We're like, God, you're not working according to our timeline. Well, hold on. Who's God? You are God. See, this is a place of trust. Do you really trust God with this area of your life? If you do, then it's you who needs to learn the patience. And not feel like God isn't working. No, he's working. He has a different timeline than the timeline that you're working from. So you're like, help me. God, help me to be patient. Pray that God would extend me grace and help me to live by his timeline and not my own. If that is you, circle step number two. And this week, uh, we will definitely pray for you. Put your name on there so we can pray for you by name. And if you want to give specifics around that, we would love to pray any specifics. So the, the last one, the third one. This is just a very practical thing for you and I to do this week. And that's to say no. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no to something this week so that I can say yes to creating a less hurried, more God-centered way of life. It's okay to say no. It really is. And I just you need to be empowered to say no. No, I can't do that. And you know what? All you have to say, you don't have to give that person every reason why you can't. My calendar won't allow it. This is something I've had to really work on. Because I'm one of those people who wants to please. I want to be there for everybody. But you know what? You can't. And some of you find yourself in the same place. And God has a better life for you. He has a better way to live life for me. And that it's okay to say no. My schedule just can't handle that this week. We want to pray for you that you actually look for an opportunity to say no this week. So, Father, only you can do this kind of work inside of us. Jesus, thank you for modeling for us in seemingly a time of crisis in the life of other people. You just took your time. You stayed another two days and then you headed down there. God, help me to live like that. God, help Christ followers to live like that. And we can't do this without you. But Father, most importantly, Jesus, will you speak to that person who cannot ask, answer the question, do you believe this? Jesus, draw them to you and may they surrender their life. God, please let them surrender their life to you today. May today be their day. 
I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's respond. We're going to sing. We're going to trust that Jesus can actually do this again. In this song, we're going to see different ways that he worked. Hey, let's do it again.